I'm Dr. Michelle Thaller, and this is Orbital Path, a show from PRX about the cosmos and our place in it. Autumn has always been my favorite season. I'm a big fan of Halloween, so I love costumes, I love dressing up in pumpkins, I love it when the leaves begin to turn color, and I always do a little dance of celebration every year when I see the constellation Orion in the sky. Orion is a winter constellation, so in the fall it begins to come up, and it always feels like seeing an old friend again. But there are some astronomers that love the autumn for a very surprising and incredible reason. It's the time when space objects get discovered. Around November time is the best time to find these objects because they actually come closest to the sun in the November time frame, and that means that's when they're brightest. 95% of their orbits, they would be so far from the sun, they move so far away, they're too faint for our current technology to observe them. This is Scott Shepard. He's an astronomer at the Carnegie Institute for Science in Washington, D.C. The reason November is so special is that it turns out that we have a lot to discover about our own solar system. There are these small bodies out there, rocky, icy things, and they're way far out in the solar system, even past where the orbit of Pluto is. And there's a place in their orbit called the perihelion, where they come closest to the sun. And that means they're closest to us, and they're brighter, and there's a better chance of finding them. And this region of the sky, where all of these orbits line up, is easily viewable in the month of November. And in November 2012, Scott Shepard was at an observatory in Chile with his partner. And within the, the first night of observing, basically our fourth image we took, we found this object, which has the most distant orbit ever observed. The object turned out to be a space rock at the very edge of our solar system. And it was given the name 2012 VP113. So Shepard and his partner gave it a nickname in honor of a more familiar VP. We nicknamed it Biden at the time. It has this uh, ugly uh, name to it, 2012 VP113, which uh, basically shows you the discovery year and the discovery month. 2012 VP113, or Biden the Space Rock, struck Shepard as odd. At the time, it was the most distant object we had ever seen that orbits our sun. And it was right next to the other one that we knew about, a rock called Sedna. And what we noticed is that we have, so we had these two very distant objects, uh, 2012 VP113 and Sedna. And uh, so you can't do a whole lot with two objects. Two objects uh, uh, of extremely low number six, six, you can't say much. But we did notice that they're both on the same part of the sky. It was, it was kind of strange to find them very close together. So in addition to Sedna and Biden, Shepard found more of these distant space rocks, 10 more to be exact. But Shepard noticed that the orbit angle of these dozen distant space objects was nearly identical. And you don't have to actually understand how those angles work. You just uh, need to know that those angles should be random on the sky. You expect those angles to be completely random. But they weren't. So Shepard asked, why? They worked on this for months, tried to explain this clustering a hundred different ways, but they kept coming back to the same conclusion. So that's why we think there's this, this super-Earth to, to Neptune-sized planets shepherding the extreme objects into these uh, similar types of orbits. That's right. Shepard thinks there's a giant planet out beyond Neptune, just lurking. We didn't believe it's a planet. It's like that's, it's kind of a crazy no notion to think that there's this planet out there. And this is the first time where the evidence was really just looking you in the face, that there is this planet out there. So in other words, a new Planet Nine, 
And this is kind of mind-blowing to me. How is it that as astronomers, you know, we've had telescopes for hundreds of years, we've missed one of the big planets of our solar system? Well, it turns out that people have been wondering if there could possibly be something out there in those dark, icy depths of our solar system beyond Neptune that we'd missed. The idea of a hidden planet really isn't all that new. Astronomers first started talking about a very distant planet in our solar system almost immediately after they discovered Neptune in 1846. For nearly a hundred years, astronomers had thought that something odd was going on with the orbits of the outer planets of the solar system. There seemed to be something farther out still that was tugging on them. And this was true with the orbit of Uranus. And then when Neptune was discovered in 1846, the same thing happened to be true with Neptune. So the astronomer Percival Lowell suggested that maybe there really is another planet out there. He called it Planet X. And when Pluto was discovered in 1930, people thought, hey, okay, great, we, we discovered that Planet X. But it turns out that Pluto's mass just isn't large enough to influence the orbits of the planets the way we were seeing. So maybe there was something even bigger out there. But the idea that something's out there that we haven't seen yet goes back many, many decades. In the present day now, we've extended our view of the solar system even farther out. And we found all of these little small bodies. And guess what? Once again, there's something strange about their orbits. The orbits seem to be being influenced by a larger planet out there. You know, if you're keeping score, this is about the 5,731st time that someone has said there's a big planet out in the outer solar system. And all 5,730 times before have so far been shown to be not right. This is Mike Brown, a professor of planetary astronomy at Caltech. So it's a little bit crazy to say, oh yeah, they were all wrong, but you know, we actually know what we're talking about and we're right. But I think that they were all wrong and we actually know what we're talking about and we're right. Brown is something of a celebrity in planetary science. He's probably best known for killing Pluto. In fact, one of the first times I met Brown, I was just being a cheeky little postdoc, I, I saw you standing on the corner of California and Lake, and I kind of snuck up behind you and went, planet killer. And you <laughs> laughed and you smiled, you know, and I'm sure you get that all the time. But, you know, I, I don't it's get just... too many people coming up behind me on, <laughs> on street corners doing that. This is actually not true. Most people remember that Pluto used to be an official planet. But what happened in the late 1990s and early 2000s is we started to find all kinds of smaller objects in a similar orbit with Pluto. There were lots of things out there, kind of a family. And then the axe really fell when Mike Brown led a team that discovered Eris. Eris is an object that's actually more massive than Pluto. To astronomers, mass is everything. It really means that Pluto isn't the major thing out there. So that's how Mike Brown killed Pluto. So in a wonderfully ironic twist of fate, it was Mike Brown that reduced the number of planets in our solar system to eight. But now he's one of the key players in a search to uncover the real Planet Nine. Imagine that you just had um, a swimming pool and you dumped dirt in it or leaves or some, something that floats on the surface. And now imagine that uh, a minute before you looked, somebody had jumped in the pool. And right where that person had jumped, if you still couldn't see them because it was dirty, you would see that the, all the leaves were, were disturbed. They had been pushed out from where they were supposed to be. There's a pattern in the top of the pool that, that tells you that something that happened. And we're basically looking at the same thing. We're looking at where these objects are. We're looking at how they go around the sun. 
And if nothing had been there, if, if there were no other planets out there beyond Neptune, then they would just be kind of randomly everywhere, just like that dirt scattered on the top of the pool. But they're not. There are special places where they, they are, where they've been pulled out of their orbits and pushed into patterns. And it's, it's trying to read those patterns that, that tells us that there's something out there. So because of the gravity of, of Planet Nine out there, we think um, we can tell you how big it is or really how massive it is because the, the gravity is the main thing we're seeing. And we can also tell the, the path that it takes across the sky because of the way it's been, it's been pulling on the different objects. So we actually think that we have narrowed it down, the, the location, to a pretty small area. It just seems incredible. So, so how far out does the orbit go? So, so one of the interesting things we've learned also is that it, it has to be on a very elongated orbit to have the gravitational effect that it does. And so when it comes in, the closest it ever comes to the sun, uh, it's probably seven or eight times further away than Neptune is right now. And at its most distant, it's probably 30 or 40 times further than Neptune is right now. So it is really way, way out there beyond anything else we know of in the solar system. To give you some sense of scale as to how incredibly far away this planet mine would be, I was thinking about the model of the solar system right outside the Air and Space Museum in downtown Washington, D.C. They have a scale model where the sun is about the size of a large grapefruit, and then they have all of the planets lined up, the right scale and the right distance, and you have to walk from one to the other. And it actually takes you quite a while to walk out to Neptune. You know, that's probably the equivalent of at least three blocks. So you've got to walk for maybe five, ten minutes. And Planet Nine is something on the order of 30 to 40 times farther out from the sun than Neptune. That would be taking you way past the Lincoln Memorial, past Arlington Cemetery, probably right on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. itself. As a communications person at NASA, when this was announced, I don't know how many times I had to answer questions about, is this planet Nibiru? The totally false mythical planet that, legend has it, will crash into Earth, killing all of us. And over and over and over again, I had to say, no, it comes nowhere near us. <laughs> it's you know, not I, that. I had, to, I had to answer this question, too, and I'd always say, you know, it's, it's so far away. It has no effect on the Earth at all. Until this summer, I realized I'd been lying the entire time. It, has, it actually has a dramatic effect on the Earth that, that we didn't anticipate when we first um, realized it was out there. It actually changes the orbital plane of the Earth and of all the planets. It takes all of the planets that are that are spinning in this one disk and it twists that disk around in a different direction. But it doesn't twist the sun. The consequence being the sun's north pole is not pointing in the same direction as our north pole, even though it should be. But it's still not going to kill us. It just seems amazing that something that far out could do that, you know, change the actual axis of our, our pole. Um, it, uh, how large of a planet are we estimating this to be? So, so we think it's about 10 times the mass of the Earth, which, which makes it a little bit smaller than Neptune, a little bit smaller than Uranus, and a lot smaller than Jupiter and Saturn. So you would think, wow, you know, so how can it possibly change Jupiter's orbit too, which, which, it, which it does. And the answer is that the power it has, it's, it's basically like a big lever because it's so far away. 
it has the same amount of power as if it were much more massive and closer. You talk about it lurking out there. When when people first started asking questions in the public about this, you know, they were they were asking about, oh wow, you know, you guys found another planet. You know, how is it that you missed it? And, and I would sort of joke to people, and I would say, well, you know, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed about that because you know I've been telling people for a long time that we have enough all sky surveys now that anything really big out there we should have been able to see, and um, you know something as big as Jupiter or Saturn we should be able to see. But 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 why is it that this one eluded us? Why did this stay hidden? Yeah, it's just that it's far away. So um, if if it had been ten times closer, it would be super easy to see. Um, but it's 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 by far the most distant thing that we know of in our solar system, and as it gets further away like that, it just gets so faint that it's beyond. At, th at this point, it's at the limit of our biggest telescopes on the Earth, so we're going to have to use those and point those in the right directions before we ever see it. So it's it's too faint to ever accidentally stumble across these days. Despite the technological challenges, Brown has a knack for locating objects deep in our solar system. He's found quite a few. You know, I don't actually know the number, but it's it's many hundreds. Um, you sort of lose track after a while. Is there one that remains kind of a favorite? It's I, kind of so, like choosing between your children. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was going to say that's exactly it. Um, luckily, I, I only I only have one child, so I don't have to worry about that. But <laughs> I do feel like all of these objects are, you know, you find them, you study them, you learn about them, and they're they're all special in their own ways. And yet, I will admit, I have, I have two favorites, depending on exactly what I'm thinking at the time. But my real favorite, it was my favorite for a different reason before, but now it's even more favorite, and that's, that's Sedna, the object Sedna. At the time that we found it, it was the most distant object that anyone had ever seen in the solar system. And it had a really strange orbit that looked like it had been pulled away from the sun by something, and we didn't know what. And it turns out that Sedna is the first of these objects that have been pulled out by now, we think, Planet Nine. So it really is that discovery from back in 2003 was the one that eventually pointed the way to realizing that there's a giant planet out there, and it's taken us all this time to figure it out. There are many other teams also looking for the mysterious new planet. And new objects like Sedna just keep turning up. In August 2016, Scott Shepard and his team announced four new objects way past the orbit of Neptune. And in October, a group out of Queens College in Belfast announced another one. Shepard also hinted that he has a few more he hasn't even announced yet. Battleship! Battleship! Finding Planet Nine is a bit like the old board game Battleship. As we figure out where this planet isn't, we'll find more of these small objects out in the dark reaches beyond Neptune. J1. Ha! You missed! J10! Oh, battleship! And the more objects we find, the more clues we'll have about where Planet Nine is. And Brown doesn't expect to have to wait very long. I remember when this first came out, they said, okay, with these, these surveys, we should be able to maybe find it by 2018. And I'm, I'm, I'm counting down. I've got my champagne chilling. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to discover something incredible and new about our solar system. So I, and, I, 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 hate, to, I hate to even, I, I, I get scared when I say it, but I don't, I don't think <laughs> you're going to, I don't think you're going to have to wait till 2018. Um, I think that it'll be, in the bag by the end of next winter. Well, I guess that's like January 2018. Fine. Okay, you'll have to wait till 2018, but barely.
This mission to the stars has been commanded by Justin O'Neill. Andrea Mustaine edits. John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler, co-pilot from the PRX Mothership. We are supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information at sloan.org. If you like this episode and want to hear more, check us out at orbital.prx.org or subscribe wherever you get podcasts.